Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We have finally made it. It has been a long journey from that moment. The Brooklyn Nets lost game seven in Brooklyn to the Milwaukee Bucks, and we were all devastated. We are finally going to get to attempt to begin the revenge tour with opening night against the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot has changed. Uh, Kyrie Irving is basically not even on the team anymore. There was a rather eventful offseason. There's been controversies, but here we are. Mike Biseglia, he is the wildly popular host of many a podcast, including the Bad Weather Fans podcast. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling giddy? Are you feeling mm. excited? How are you feeling right now? I was feeling really excited, and then it dawned on me that tomorrow night will be the Milwaukee Bucks. I guess, won't it be their ring ceremony because it's their first game since they won a championship? I don't know if I'm positive on that, but that struck yes. me. It was like, yes. so the first moment I'm going to have to see to begin the season is them getting the rings. Yep. And that is the final stage of all of this. And then, yes, I'm officially ready to watch Nets basketball for real. And it is kind of wild that after that wild ending, the dramatic ending, the disappointing ending, here we are again, back against the Bucks for the revenge tour. And, and from there, let's let's see what happens, man. I'm glad that they are playing the Bucks in Milwaukee. I'm glad that the players have to watch that ceremony. Not that they need any extra motivation, but I think I'm glad that they have to sit there and be sick to their stomach about a team winning an NBA championship that with all due respect to them, they shouldn't have won. I mean, the only reason they won an NBA championship is because we allowed it because the nets were banged up health wise, because by the end of that run, everybody was completely gassed. They won an NBA title because we allowed it. So I'm glad that everybody's going to get to watch it. The one thing I'll say about getting over game seven, first of all, and Beningo always used to say this, you never get over losses. You know, there's never a moment where you're over it. Maybe if we win a championship, that would help you get over it. But since I've never seen any of my teams win a title, I don't know if that works. I assume it does. So I think game one, Tuesday night, possibly tonight or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, it's going to help begin the healing. But I have a feeling we're going to sit here right before the postseason begins saying, okay, now we can get over it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that we're just going to eliminate because the regular season starts. Every time Joe Harris hits a big three, we're going to say, son of a bitch should have done that in June. You know, so I, I do yeah. think that it's the beginning of the healing process. 
But the bitterness from that loss and that defeat, it's probably going to remain until they can get real revenge on Milwaukee, and that means knock them out. Yeah, that's the only way it'll officially be over is the Nets have to win the NBA championship. Knock off Milwaukee if that's in their track, sure, but win the NBA championship. But the good part about it is, yeah, okay, you're not going to get over it, but at least there's games that can can distract you from all you think about is the last moment was the Kevin Durant foot on the line, the mystery pointer at the end of the game. Because now we'll have to micromanage and we'll get upset and we'll get angry and we'll get happy about wins and losses. So there'll be something else to focus on. Yes, in the long run, it's all about the championship and it's all about the title. And when we get to the playoffs, we'll start thinking about that stuff even more. But when it's game 11 or whatever versus the Detroit Pistons and they're only up seven and they're not playing well and Sadiq Bay is killing them and you're like, oh, my God, we traded that. Bay. At least your brain will go somewhere else right. and not to that same damn toe on that three-point line. This should be, as Net fans, our most anticipated season of all time, maybe even more so than last year because this year feels a little realer in that it's an 82-game season. We're going to be in the stands right from the get-go. Last year, not that it wasn't a real year, but it was weird. It was a very different kind of year. This is the first true year. We have James Harden for an entire year as well. We don't have that kind of trade hanging over us. Does the Kyrie stuff, and I know I the hope is that there's closure to it. There really isn't because even though Kyrie Irving is not playing, in the back of our minds, we're going to think, oh, you think he'll get the shot now? <laughs> you think the rules of New York City are going to change now? Like, in the back of our mind, we know that Kyrie Irving can walk through that door at any moment. But did this Kyrie stuff affect at all the enthusiasm for you for the beginning of this season? It did. Yeah, it, it definitely did. And I'd be lying if I said it did not. And I'll be super thrilled and excited. And we got the team we got. Let's go to battle. Let's play the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's see what happens. But yeah, it was disappointing because of everything you just laid out gearing up towards this season. You've got all three guys in good health. Kyrie Irving's the only person that's not uh, that's, that's, that won't be involved in the game. Everybody else is healthy, is healthy for this game against the Milwaukee Bucks. He's the one that's going to be out. So it's massively disappointing to think, man, we've gotten this close, and here he is, and because of everything that's happened, he's not going to be available. And at the, at the same time, you know, curious obviously what you have to say about it, but I think it's. It's just sort of fascinating if somebody said, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, that Kyrie Irving would be missing games because a global pandemic would happen and there was a mandate of a vaccine for people <laughs> and he's decided not to do it. And because of this, he's not playing. You go, what the hell are you talking about? So I guess from that end, it's October. There's a lot that can change as we gear up for May and June that will happen in the next course of five or six months. Like this is just the beginning of this story in my viewpoint. But yeah, seriously disappointed because... Yeah, I was ready to see all three guys together and manage days, lows days off. I get it. But we'd get more than seven games or whatever it was. Yeah, I think that it does take a little bit away. And obviously, this is still a championship contender. They're still the favorites to win an NBA title. And I've always said to you, yes, I think we can compete for a championship with two of the three guys. I just don't want to find out. That's mm -hmm. not an experiment I want to know about. I want all three guys playing with a chance to be historically good, with a chance to dominate everybody, not just in the regular season, but the postseason. I think that it shows 
that Sean Marks was so right to make this deal for James Harden. Uh, not only because, yeah, you have a chance to get a third star, but maybe the part that we took a little bit more for granted, and that is the uncertainty of Kyrie Irving. When you bring up a pandemic and a vaccine, yeah, we couldn't have predicted that. But I think what we could have predicted in the back of our mind was the uncertainty of Kyrie Irving. Mm. The fact that something weird could happen, whether it's health-related or not health-related, that kept him away from the team. What's And look, I always said this to you whenever we talked about this on the podcast. I was good with him being a part-time player as long as the players were good. If the players weren't good with it, if James Harden said, F no, we can't do this, then obviously it was an on-starter. So it certainly seems like James Harden, Kevin Durant, the organization are on the same page with saying, hey, until you're vaxxed or the rules change, you can't play for this team. But here's the thing. It doesn't eliminate the distraction completely in that as soon as the Nets start to struggle or, God forbid, knock on wood, one of the two guys get hurt, it's only natural that those questions are going to start to begin again. Like, hey, they could use Kyrie Irving. Hey, James Harden's out for three months. Maybe it would pay to have Kyrie Irving as a part-time player. And that's where those questions can resurface because as much as we try to forget that Kyrie's on the team and say, let's just not think of him on the team, he is on the team. And so if there's adversity early in this season, if there's an injury at some point during this season, those questions are going to be asked. So, yeah, as long as they're playing well, Kyrie will be on the back burner. I get that. But if they face adversity, we're all naturally going to wonder, hey, uh, can Kyrie come save us? Can Kyrie come help us? And that, that gets back to just the disappointment and not having him out there with this team and knowing the flexibility it gives this roster if somebody's out, if Kevin Durant is it needs a couple of days here and there. If something happens where somebody's hamstring is re-aggravated, you have the third star. You have somebody that's capable of getting buckets wherever, whenever on the basketball court, and they lose that. And they lose that with Kyrie Irving. And yeah, the teams, the team's not as dynamic. They're not as they're not as good. And in the preseason, they they didn't look great. Just the preseason, but it was a little alarming at some points. Just like how lackluster it looked. But I'm hoping you know get to the regular season, you get the energy. I, I understand, but you're a prisoner of the moment. You see the lack of energy, and you see, I don't know, the defense looking bizarre. So it's disappointing in a lot of fronts on, on there. But, yeah, we'll get, we'll get over that the second the second the season starts. I completely understand that. But, yeah, Ky, Kyrie, Kyrie was that piece that made the Nets to have three superstars, the unbelievable depth. And once Kyrie's not there, it changes the playing field. It levels it out, and they're just kind of back to the bunch with all of the good teams, the great teams, but they're not – they're not in a different stratosphere that we thought they could be in. And that's, that's just the reality of it. When your third best player and top 15 player in the league is not on the roster anymore. I, I was, I don't want to make too much of lineups and rotations from the preseason. In fact, I, as much as I watched, I tried to ignore it thinking this is not going to be necessarily how Steve Nash lines the guys up opening night. How do you start? Do you like the idea of, Bruce Brown, Joe Harris, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Blake? Or do you want to go big and say, hey, Kevin Durant is small forward. Let's start Paul Millsap and Blake Griffin. How would you line it up on opening night and moving forward? Would you would you consider Nick Claxton in the starting lineup? Is that something you'd even consider? Would what even I consider, there's a big difference between what I would consider and what possibly could happen. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'd consider it. Do you think there's any chance Steve Nash is starting Nicholas Claxton? I, I don't. But I, what I've noticed is when Nick Claxton and James Harden are on the court together, Nick Claxton is a far better player than when James Harden is not. So I guess, Mike, okay, let me answer my own question. The way that the rotation will be set, Nick Claxton will definitely get run with James Harden when he's out there and Kevin Durant is not. But yes, Yes. you're going to go Harden at the point, at the one, and then it's probably looking at Bruce, Joe, KD, and, and I think LaMarcus Aldridge at the five, giving them some stability at that point. You start LaMarcus over Blake at this point? I would. I like Blake coming off the bench and giving energy and giving hustle and, and getting kind of the crowd involved. I think that suits him better than starting. I, I really loved what I saw from Blake with the intangibles. And to me, that feels more of like a six-man type role. Come off the bench, get kind of pumped up, get some rebounds, but not have to start. I, I want to see what LaMarcus Aldridge has. I want to see what he has left. I'm very curious because in those three games when he played last season – he was pretty darn excellent. The one game against the Lakers that got slashed, that wasn't that wasn't good. But that Hornets game, I'm telling you, that game is still ingrained in my brain. Is like that was like the celebration day for the Nets. And he looked pretty damn good. I'm really interested to see what he looks like now given a full training camp, knock on wood, fully healthy. I, I want to see what he can do. And and I'm particularly against this Bucks team that the Bucks crush the nets yeah well rebounding i want to see what that looks like yeah i think on opening night facing a team like milwaukee there's a lot of bigs that you have to deal with we're going to see a lot of lamarcus we're going to see a lot of blake nicholas claxton can guard anyone and i think that's a very valuable thing especially on this team where they switch constantly so nicholas Mm -hmm. claxton guarding the point guard on the perimeter is not the worst matchup in the world i i think i'd start slowly with lamarcus having him come off the bench but One thing that's going to be interesting, and you mentioned it, Claxton really clicks when he's on the floor with James Harden to the point where you could just see James Harden making Nicholas Claxton a ton of money. I mean, the way he made uh, Clint Capella a ton of money. So I would have those guys pair. And the other pairing that you like early on because of their connection to each other is Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge. So I think you almost have to think about it that way. Like, hey, when... Nicholas Claxton's on the floor for 20 minutes a night. And I don't even know if he's going to get 20 minutes a night because we got to figure out, okay, where are these minutes coming from? I mean, think about it. If LaMarcus Aldridge is a 15 to 20 minute a night guy, and I think that's where he'll start off. If Blake Griffin is a 20 to 25 minute kind of night guy, if Nicholas Claxton is going to play 15 to 20 minutes and Paul Millsap's going to play 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. Where the hell are all these minutes coming from? Unless we see a lot of Kevin Durant at the three. That's and Nicholas Claxton plays the four and Paul Millsap plays the four and LaMarcus and Blake are playing the five. I think then you could find a way for all these guys to get minutes. But otherwise, where the hell are they getting these minutes from? Well, that's why we, you know, at least we get some answers starting tomorrow night, Tuesday night, when the Nets do play the Bucs and see what Coach Nash ends up doing. I mean, the last time we saw the Nets play the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they played four people the whole night. It was like four people in James Harden. <laughs> yeah. Or it was, I mean, it was crazy. The lack of minutes that the bench was getting then. This will be a little bit different regular season game, first game of the year. Uh, I, I'm very intrigued to see what Coach Nash does and the way, and then and then also if Cam Thomas gets any run, like what kind of minutes is he going to get? Uh, we've never seen, I guess, this Nets team has so many veterans, and last year, again, so many veterans 
the only time we saw a younger player, not a rookie, but a younger player was Nick Claxton get run. So I'll be curious what kind of what kind of minutes Cam Thomas. I'm gets. not. I, I got to tell interested. you, I'm intrigued by Cam Thomas. I think we all are. He's been very impressive in the what we saw from him in the G League, even at times here during the preseason. I have a feeling he's not getting as nearly as many minutes as people think. You know, even with Kyrie out, you figured, oh, this creates an opportunity for Cam Thomas. But I could see Steve Nash loving Javon Carter. He's a better defender. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Cam Thomas went. I don't think there's going to be a need with all the offensive weapons that they have. Because let's not forget, take LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge is an offensive player. Mm-hmm. I think we've casted him into this role of rim protecting, big lumbering five. He's an offensive player. Like when you define LaMarcus Aldridge's career, he he scores. Blake Griffin is an offensive player. They have a lot of guys who can score. And because of that, I, I can see Javon Carter getting a lot more minutes because of his ability to, to defend. DeAndre Bembry, same thing. So I'm intrigued by Cam Thomas. I think he can only get better, especially learning uh, by, the, by the knees of Kevin Durant and James Harden. But I wonder early on if he's going to get nearly as many minutes as maybe we hope or project. He feels like the guy, though, if things start going poorly and the Nets are not winning games and Kyrie Irving's still not around, like he is the guy that the fans will be clamoring for to get on the court. We need to see Cam. We need to see Cam. He's only getting four minutes. He's only getting seven minutes. We need to see Cam. He's the guy that everybody will be chiming in saying he needs to get minutes. He needs to help this team. He needs to get on the court. And the guys that you referenced before, it does feel as if the Nets have a more balanced roster and more of a defensive roster. There was one play where Paul Millisap had an offensive tip and rebound. And I was like, I'm trying to remember how many guys last year I saw a play like that where Millisap went up, got the tip, put it back in. And it was really refreshing to see from last year's team with DeAndre Jordan and everything that was happening with him. I, it that was nice to see that offensive put back. And it feels like this Nets roster as a whole have a lot more balance than they did last year when things seemed a little bit more out of sorts after the Harden trade. Yeah, they are. And look, I think it makes sense because you have a whole off season to kind of change things, acquire a guy like Patty Mills, uh, be able to draft guys at specific positions, be able to sign free agents, even guys that we're not maybe thinking that much that highly of right now, like DeAndre Bembry or James Johnson, or being able to appeal to a veteran like Paul Millsap. I think it allowed Sean Marks time to structure the roster in a much better way, because obviously when you're trading for James Harden, you're just giving them whatever it takes. And then you're filling out roster spots with guys like Mike James, because you didn't have an off season to kind of reshuffle the deck. So I agree. And, you know, defensively, that was the big talking point last year. Hey, can they defend? That was the big argument. And I understood why we watched them during the regular season. They did not defend at a high level. But I think two things happened. Number one, we saw their defensive intensity pick up and they played like a completely different defensive team in the postseason. Like ultimately, when you try to diagnose besides just saying, hey, they were injured. Why did the Nets lose to the Milwaukee Bucks? You try to diagnose, like, what happened in game six? What happened in game seven? And besides just citing injuries, you wouldn't say it was their defense. You'd say they couldn't score. They couldn't find offense. Yeah. They couldn't find offense outside of Kevin Durant. And obviously a little bit of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Green. 
Jeff Green, had a yeah. big performance in game five, but they didn't score enough. They defended at a high enough level. They played enough defense in the postseason last year, in my opinion, to win an NBA championship. And now you have better pieces on this team, better defenders, point blank. And so I don't go into this season with that fear that I think we had in late February and March and April of, hey, can they defend enough? Look, there are going to be nights where they don't defend. There's no doubt there are going to be nights where we look at James Harden and say, boy, he didn't give a rat's ass about defense. But overall, they are a competent defensive team. And I think they showed us last year that when it matters the most, they can defend at a high level. Yeah, I, I don't want to have to go back and like do a recap of Nets Bucks from last season. But if somebody from the playoffs, but if somebody, you know, the regular season was like, all right, the Nets are going to give up 80 something, 90 something points to the Bucks regularly in this series, you go, okay, I'll take my chances with that. We're advancing to the next round, but it was missed shots. It was Joe Harris missing shots. It was James Harden. You know, we talked about the injuries, but he was missing everything at the end of that series as well. And that, you know, clearly plagued them there. But on the defensive side this year, if they have just a, it would just, it would be nice to see more of a consistency of that be pre the playoffs, just because I think it would, I think it would set a tone for a roster that's more conducive for winning a championship with balance to see that for the long haul, as opposed to, you know, here we go, let's rev it up. Let's rev it up now because there's no guarantees that they can just rev it up again. Who the heck knows? So I, I would like to see it from start to finish all the way through and get a little more consistency there. The the other thing I'm curious too, Evan, is with Kyrie now gone for the foreseeable future, what the what the minutes look like for Harden and Durant, and then what kind of back to backs if what that yeah. would look like for Durant this year? Are they going to be doing that as much? Second year now off the injury, plus Kyrie's not there to bail him out as the backup when he when he when he sits. Well, what's what's so interesting about that question, and I I seem to get offended by this sometimes, and I, I know I shouldn't be. The idea of, well, the net stars don't really want to play. You know, look at all the off days that they had last year. And when I always say to guys or gals who bring this up, as I say, you could say that about Kyrie Irving. I get that. No, it disappears, misses two weeks, misses three weeks, always seems to have an injury. I totally get that with Kyrie Irving. But when you look at the career of Kevin Durant and the career of James Harden, they play and they play big minutes, especially James Harden. So, the track record of the two stars on this team is not that they don't want to play. Now, are they going to maintenance days? These guys clearly, I think Sean Marks has already telegraphed that they're going to put the greater good and being ready for the postseason as a priority as it should be. I mean, when Kevin Durant has to play 50 minutes in a postseason game, we're all laughing about, yeah, and people bitched about him not playing a right. random game in February. So obviously there's going to be the priority of resting these guys. But here's what I am curious about, because I think it's very different than last year. You mentioned Kyrie not being there. I don't think that's as big of a factor unless they're struggling. I think if they're struggling, then, yeah, they'll be concerned about, my God, we can't rest these guys too much. We have to win. So I'd put that to the side. But here's the differences between last year and this year. It's a normal season. Let's start with that. It's not mm -hmm. crunched together the way it was last year. Games were occurring on a more frequent basis last year. This is a more normal regular season to where the Nets have 12 back-to-backs the entire season, which, by the way, is the fewest in the league. Not sure if that was done on purpose, but whatever. <laughs> and it wouldn't, wouldn't 
shock me if it was only because if you're Adam Silver, you want to try to make sure that these stars are playing. So you've got a schedule that's more conducive for guys being able to play. Number two, like you said, Kevin Durant is now not coming off of an Achilles injury. Now he's a few years removed from that injury. He just played a full season. He played in the, or not a full season, but played a season, played a postseason, played in the Olympics. So I think with KD, they may be more confident. And James Harden has always been a guy that's played. Last year, he got hurt. That's mm. what happened. James Harden wasn't even sitting for maintenance days. I think one time all year did James Harden, quote unquote, sit for a maintenance day. He literally got hurt. That's why he didn't play. So all of those things I mentioned makes me wonder, you know, like early in the season when the Nets play a back-to-back, the home opener followed by a Monday night against the Wizards. I can't just assume those guys are going to sit. I think we assumed that last year. I don't know if we can assume that this year for the reasons I gave. Mm, yeah. Now, when you were talking about Kevin Durant and all those minutes he played in the Olympics and the 50 plus minutes in the playoffs last year and all of these preseason games that I watched, I still have this where I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get over this where the second he goes to the floor, the panic that sets into my brain every time. I don't know if I'll just ever be able to get rid of that because in the back of my mind, I'm always just so worried about what could happen because of how nasty that injury was, even though he looks incredible He's flying up and down the court. He looks athletic as ever. Nobody can stop his jumper. It does seem like he's just on the court all the time. And that's still something I just, I just don't know if I'll ever be able to get over that. It's just always going to be lingering there. I'm with you on that. And I think I feel that way with even James Harden as well, because this is a sport that is so reliant on the superstar where I think you see the season flash before your eyes, especially when you're this close. We're diehard fans of a basketball team that's never won a championship. We can sniff it. We can smell it. We're as close as we've ever been in terms of the talent that we have. And so I think anytime Harden and Durant, who right now feel completely irreplaceable, they, they just can't be replaced with Kyrie Irving not being there. I think that's a part of the fear that you realize one guy goes down and it's a torn ACL or a torn, whatever catastrophic injury you want to come up with, it's all gone. Like, yeah, great. We'll still have a superstar. We'll be fun. But the odds of winning an NBA championship have diminished by a lot. So I think that's a part of why we have that fear. I know I do. Yeah, I know. That's so scary, too. It's just like one play there, here or there, and and all the excitement, all the buildup just vanishes. And that's what makes this window so important and who knows how long it will last who knows what the future holds for Kyrie Irving who knows how many more brilliant years Kevin Durant has who knows if James Harden's resigning so these precious moments are it I mean we are we are in the moment where they have to win the championship because every season they don't it's just one lost year and they get older and older and it's even more difficult so when we saw the pain that happened with the Bucks from last year and now the season starts it's like this this is it. I mean, if you're a Nets fan and you've been watching this your whole life or you're a new Nets fan and you're just getting into it, this is the season. I, I mean, it's it's laid out there for them. They've got the talent. They've got the roster. They've got the depth. This is the season to win an NBA championship, and it would be crushing again if if they are unable to do it, and it'd be even, it would be even worse if they weren't given the full deck of the players based on some awful injury. Right. Well... 
And to quote our best player in due time, you mm-hmm. showed me that clip. I think it's from the bridge that show mm-hmm. that the Nets have where Blake Griffin, who I, I love every time Blake Griffin says anything. I think I like the guy more and more said that after he watched the Bucks win the NBA title, he texted Durant and said, this should have been us. This could have been us, which is exactly what I think we were texting each other. Exactly. should have been us. And Kevin Durant says, in due time. And I love having the best player in the world with that kind of confidence. That, mm. that does kind of warm me a little bit. By the way, just one last thing about the whole minutes thing and resting guys. I'm not sure how they're going to rest guys. I'll be intrigued, uh, especially early in the season. What I would advise the Nets to do is just limit their minutes. You know, don't play Kevin Durant 40 minutes a night. I don't think you have to. I think there's good that comes out of limiting minutes as opposed to maybe resting them game-wise. First of all, you get to see more of your roster. You get to see more of potentially Cam Thomas, Javon Carter, DeAndre Bembry, even rookie like De'Ron Sharp. Like, it creates more opportunity. But also, I think you're able to do it. Like, I don't think it's going to kill you on most nights to have James Harden play 30 minutes a night to almost Kenny Atkinson, this thing, where you keep their minutes not not to some crazy limit. Like, yeah, they're going to be nights where you let KD play 39 minutes. Sure, I get it. But I think overall on most nights, especially when you're playing teams that you're better than, where you just you're careful with their minutes. And I never saw that from Steve Nash last year. And I don't know if that's something he just can't do as a former player where he's just wants to win so badly. Like he can't limit their minutes. I'm not saying he's Tom Thibodeau or anything, but I did get a sense last year in our first year with Nash that he has a difficult time limiting these guys minutes during a game. Yeah. That was something that just smacked me right in the face early on. I was like, wait a minute, he's playing Kevin Durant 44 minutes tonight on the road versus the Hornets early in the season. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Especially because we were so used to the Kenny Atkinson where everybody, like, oh, D'Angelo Russell got into the thirties. Ooh, watch out. It was very jarring to see. And I would hope with this depth that they are more careful with minutes. And yeah, there's going to be games where they're going to go for wins and they're going to need them. And they're going to go to the 38 to 42 minute range. But if they're, if they're playing these guys 44 minutes again early in the season, I, I'd be shocked too. And I also think that hurt them late in the playoffs when they had other guys that just could not go out there at certain points. It's like it was Kevin Durant and nobody. At least, at least let's see some options early so maybe guys can get some more confidence later in the playoffs. I know Joe Harris got his minutes and missed his shots, but it was like no shows from Landry Shamit. There was nobody there. So why not get more minutes in the regular season and, and help out on that on that? And once you get to the playoffs, by the way, you mentioned Joe Harris's name, Joe Harris. And look, his regular season numbers have been really, really solid. He gets better every single year. You look at a year like last year, especially just having the teammates that he has. It wasn't a surprise that the guy went out and hit 48 percent from three, which is absurd when you think about it. He had 48% from three, and he's had four straight years where he's hit over 40% from three. Guy's one of the best sharpshooters in the league. He's a complete player. He can finish in the basket. Like, I've said so many positive things about Joe Harris, but here's the bottom line. I mean, here's just the reality. None of it is going to matter until he gets back into the moment and hits big shots. And it's not as if Joe can't play in the postseason. Maybe that's not a fair statement because he had good playoff games. Mm-hmm. It's just that we're going to remember certain things from the run last year 
where Joe Harris 90% of the time is going to make that wide open shot. And he didn't, whether it's overtime of game seven, whether it's that game three, where he had a great look, like there's too many shots in our brains that we say Joe makes that shot. So I expect Joe Harris, assuming he's healthy, to put up the same numbers he's put up the last three years, to shoot over 40% from three, to be that perfect complementary player for the star players that they have. But you talk about a guy, and I think James Harden has this too, more for the rest of his career, not just what happened last year because he was hurt last year. They've got to get back into that moment, and they've got to come up big. Mm. And, and like, because there's nothing James Harden can do. And again, this isn't for me and you as Net fans. But for the NBA fan, there's nothing James Harden can do other than win a championship and be huge in the big moment that's going to change some views of him. He could go win an MVP this year. That'd be cool. We've never seen Annette do that in the NBA. But for him, it's going to be getting back to that moment and being big. And Joe Harris, it's the same thing. He's just got to get back to the postseason and hit the big shot, which he wasn't able to do last year. He had that great, uh, one of those games against the Celtics. I want to say it was like game two where he was coming out, hitting all his threes. He was getting deflections. He was getting in the passing lanes. He was playing unbelievable and looked so good in that playoff game versus the Boston Celtics. Early on in the series versus Milwaukee, he was fine. And then after game two, something changed. Now, I would say this with Joe. He was a guy that was picked up by the Nets, and they developed him. He was virtually a player that was going to be out of the NBA. And he turned himself from a no-name NBA player to a guy that's on a roster that can win an NBA championship and one of the best shooters in the NBA. So I would bet on Joe for this to be that next step for him, that next evolution where he goes from good regular season player to the guy that's in the playoffs, that hits the shots, that that you that you talk about in that trivia game. Who was the guy that hit that shot in the NBA Finals in Game 5 right. versus the Lakers? That's what he's going to be this year. I believe that because of the growth that we've seen from him. And obviously I hope I'm right. And if I'm wrong and he's putting out another one of those poo poo performances in the playoffs this year, I would say the nets would, I would, would, would be quicker to bench him knowing yeah. that you've got a guy like a Patty mills around Joe Harris is on the bench. Yeah. And look, ju just to be accurate about Joe Harris in the playoffs, because you mentioned he had one game against Boston. Game two, he was unbelievable. I think he went seven for 10 from three. He was great. In the Milwaukee series, same thing. Like the first two games of that series, he was completely fine. Even in that Toronto bubble series, before he had to leave for personal reasons, he wasn't the problem. Here's where we remember him as not being clutch. The conclusion of the Philly series, he was abysmal. He was one for 17 from three from game two on so we remember that and then obviously we remember really the last five games of the milwaukee series game two uh, game three through game seven so yeah he's had moments he's had playoff games where he's played well it's not as if he's never had that but i think the philly series for us you know net fans who just don't ignore what happened in 2019 and then obviously like the last four or five games of this milwaukee series and i think that's where the memory of Joe struggling really resonates. Oh, by the way, because you passed over this, and I want you on the record right now, October 18, 1920, 2021. Do you think James Harden's going to resign at the end of the year? I do. I do. Do you? Um, yes, I do. Uh, I'll just say I do, but 
I think that there's always going to be nervousness because he hasn't extended. Kevin Durant has, James Harden hasn't. And the, the one thing James Harden said that made me a little nervous was when he said that he's never been a free agent. But obviously, re-signing now is not financially smart. I think he would get an extra $60 million if he waits until the end of the year. And here's the other thing, and this is the part that does make me feel good, besides the fact that I know he loves Steve Nash and he loves KD. Where would he go? I don't know. You always have to come up with that alternative. Okay, what's that option? And, you know, Craig busts my balls a little bit, and I know why he does it. There is a connection between James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers, so he likes to bring them up. But I always say to Craig, they have no cap room. Like, I don't even know how they would go about creating the cap space to sign James Harden. And we can't say, ah, cap space doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter when you could make a move or two to give you room. There's no way they're going to have room. So, yeah, you could give me Philadelphia in a real-world situation, but I just, I don't see mathematically how they'd make it work. And then you look at the other teams with cap space, nobody scares me. So, yeah, I have confidence they'll re-sign James Harden, but I think there's always that bit of, well, he hasn't signed. What if he gets pissed off and has a falling out with Steve Nash? What if Kyrie Irving comes back and he hates Kyrie Irving? What if what if him and Kevin Durant are fighting over the same girl? Like you can create all these scenarios that make you question if Harden will stay, but logic in the moment tells me he will stay. Yeah, it's 60 million more dollars to wait another year. So in that course of a year, if things go south, yeah, he would leave. And then I guess he would give up that money. But from just a pure logical standpoint, if somebody said, hey, man, if you wait one more year, you can make another $60 million. And in that year, all you have to do is something that you love and play basketball. You would wait a year and get paid $60 million. This is it's really simple when you think about it logically. But the fear, I guess, if something could go haywire. Well, what what if it doesn't? Uh, I mean, to me, I don't know. I think I think realistically, there's nothing I would be completely stunned if there was something that happened with James Harden in the locker room or that just made him just really hate his experience here. He seems to be into it. 60 more million dollars. This is somewhere I can play. I can retire with one of my best buds in Kevin Durant. I, I think he resigns and I'd be very surprised if he does not. Yeah. I mean, Harden seems to want a ball. Kevin Durant seems like he wants the ball. So you figure that connection will lead that. And, Look, that'd be awesome. I mean, it'd be great. Like I said to you when they first made the trade, the one thing that would make me warm up to it is if we grow old with them. You know, if they re-sign and we got these guys for the rest of their career, we've got that with Durant, which is a nice safety net to have, by the way. Like, the worst-case scenario in the world is Harden leaves, Kyrie retires. We still have Kevin effing Durant to build around. It's not the worst situation, so... Yeah, I, I guess I have a confidence to who'll resign. Not that I, I want to think too much about it because the business at hand is winning a title. Couple uh -huh. of predictions right now. How many wins does this team end up with? Uh, 54 wins. All right, I'm, I'm going to actually write this down so we have record of this. Okay. Because right? I think that's very, very important. We need to hold ourselves accountable. So you are going with 54 wins. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with... A part of me thinks they're going to struggle early, and that's not my way of calming myself down, but especially the first two games at Milwaukee, mm -hmm. at Philly, kind of figuring each other out. They are a veteran team. There's going to be some kind of injury injuries. And 
you know, we're going to end up having to tell ourselves, ah, regular season, it doesn't matter. They don't care about the regular season. So I think because of all those factors, the win total may not be as high as we dream it to be because I don't think they're gunning to win 60 games, as cool as that would be as a net fan. So I'm going to go with 52 wins. That's where I'm at. So you got, okay. you're a little bit more confident than me. By the way, what seed is that? Do you see him getting the two seed again, three seed? Probably a one or a two. I think it's somewhere in there. Yeah, I think the East is so balanced that you're not going to get a team with 60 wins this year because they're going to beat up on each other a little bit. So I, I see that as a two or a one, a two or a one right there with them in, in the Milwaukee Bucks. All right. How many games does Kevin Durant play this season? 61. 61. <laughs> a part of me is so nervous. I, I want to say, yeah, he's going to miss half the season because – I mean, think about it. He sort of missed half the season last mm-hmm. year. <laughs> think yeah. about the amount of games he played. Oh, I, oh, uh, regular season. I mean, he was, I mean, it, it was the Kyrie and James Harden show for most of that winning streak in the middle of the year. I'm going to be more confident than you. I'm going to say 68 games for Kevin Durant. Okay. Going 68. So that means he ends up missing 70, uh, about 13 games, 14 games, 14 games. Yeah. All right. James Harden. How many games does he play? 71. 71. I think 71. James Harden's. I think Harden's number is going to be a little bit lower. I think he's going to have another uh, nagging injury that pisses us off. So I'm going to go with less games than Kevin Durant. I'm going to go with 62 games. That's my prediction. <laughs> I hope All you're right. wrong. I, dude, I, I want them to play 75 games. You know, let the seven maintenance days that are mixed yeah. in throughout the season. Because exactly. think about it. If these guys were completely healthy, and I know how realistic is it for guys to be completely healthy through a season? And they were only sitting for maintenance days. I don't think the maintenance day number is going to be as high as some people fear because of how spread out this season is. It, you, they'll just add up, though. Maintenance days, injuries, like it's just it's it's inevitable that that number is going to fall where it's going to fall. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. Does Kyrie Irving play a basketball game for the Brooklyn Nets in the 2021-2022 season? Yes, he does. He'll be back. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's going, I don't know how uh, there's a lot at play there from all directions, but I do believe he will be on the court at some point. This uh, season. Yeah. yeah. Yes. On Kyrie. Give me a date. <laughs> I want a well, date. I, when our elected officials switching office, um, <laughs> I will say January 1st, I think is no, I will say I'm going to go. I'm going to go just like right around the Christmas time. Really? Wow. You you know what? I think, you know what? I think there's something like, and I could be completely wrong and this could, I could, I could be completely wrong about this, but I think when Kyrie's going to be hanging out at his home and he's seeing his buddies playing basketball every day, I think at some point, a couple months in, he's going to get a little jealous and he's going to get the Jones to be back there. And he's going to want to miss the camaraderie. He's going to miss the guys. I think at some point he's going to go, this, I got to get out there. So again, I'm maybe I'm being the optimistic Nets fan and I could probably be completely wrong and we never see him again. It becomes an analyst somewhere. Uh, yeah. I'll say Christmas. Yeah. So I I'm 50, 50 on if he plays at all this season, because I don't think he's going to give in. Like, I understand where you're coming from. He's going to see the, miss the camaraderie, see the team's playing well. I don't think Kyrie Irving has shown that he's the kind of guy who's going to say, all right, screw it, I'm getting vaccinated. So I think the only way Kyrie Irving plays, and I'm, I'm not ruling it out, 
is that the rules of New York City either change or are slightly edited because I can see the rules being edited, if you will. For example, it is absurd. And I'm not saying this from a competitive standpoint. I'm saying it from a health and safety perspective that Bradley Beal can play at Madison Square Garden and Kyrie Irving can't. And I really mean this from a health and safety perspective. How is that okay? but the other part is not safe? So so could I see them changing the law where they say, if you're a performer, you're actually allowed to play, whether it's a Broadway show or a basketball game? Yeah. But I, I think that's the only way Kyrie Irving is going to play. So I lean towards no, but if it happens, I think it would be in the spring, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Like, what would happen if in the middle of March or April they change the rules? Could the Nets literally bring him back after not playing all year? It's weird. What would his conditioning be like? How would he fit in? So I think I'm just going to go with no, that we don't see Kyrie Irving at all this year. You've convinced me. And the, the now, as I think about it, the only scenario I think Kyrie comes back is Nets win 61 games, regular season's over. Kyrie's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm ready for the playoffs. I could totally <laughs> see that happening. Well, you know, it, I know it's not necessarily worth talking about now in October, but it does create that interesting question of when's the drop dead time where you say yeah. you're mm-hmm. not coming back. I mean, could you literally insert Kyrie Irving into your rotation and team without playing a regular season game? <laughs> Good question. I don't know. Or then, or maybe playoffs, they, they say, yeah, you can play in the, uh, in the road games, just not at home. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see in Atlanta. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird and fascinating, I but I think I'm going to lean towards no. And then the ultimate question last time on this podcast, a week ago, whenever we did it, you said, we're going to win the NBA championship. Are you really feeling that? Are you feeling that we are going to win an NBA title despite what we know now? No Kyrie. The fact that you're a Nets fan, I'm a Nets fan. Are you saying we're going to win the whole freaking thing? Yeah, I have to. At this point, they've come this far. They're this good. They're ready to do this. The Brooklyn Nets will be the world champions in the 2021-2022 NBA season. I'm glad you're bringing the positive because, and I've said this before on the air, and I know it's not rational, but it's honestly how I feel. So why would I not just tell you how I feel? I just can't picture seeing my team win a championship. I can't picture it with the Mets. I can't picture it with the Jets. And even though Kevin Durant and James Harden are on this team, I can't picture it with the Nets. So I think we're going to lose a brutal seven-game series again to the Milwaukee (laughs) Bucks, this time in the Eastern Conference Finals, and this time with Game 7 being in Milwaukee. So on that note, tip your waiters. We love you. I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm just being honest. I get you. Now you have every right to feel that way. You laid it out. I've been playing in the game, like in my mind, the cinema of Kevin Durant, James Harden out on the floor, big time look. Harden hits the biggest three of his life. Like I'm playing the movie in the positive direction. And that's where I'm going to go with, with my mindset. This year is going to be positive, and the And I'm going to watch the Brooklyn Nets win a championship because damn it, we deserve it. Damn it, we deserve it. Make the T-shirt. Uh, you could check out Mike Biseglia on Twitter at Mike Delivers Pod. That's your Twitter handle, right? At Mike Delivers That's Pod. That's me. That's there me. you go. Yes, sir. Plus all plus all the podcasts he hosts, including that one with the Nick fan mm. called uh, <laughs> called uh, Bad Weather Fans. Boy, I want the Knicks to suck right now. <laughs> <laughs>
It, it just hit me as we're approaching the start of the season. They had an undefeated preseason. They're all so giddy about everything. I really want to see the Knicks suck. So Yeah, me too. <laughs> on that note, we'll talk to you soon. You can listen to me and Craig every uh, Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock on the fan. We'll be back soon for another podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.